Hey everyone, on this week's episode of Greetings From, we discuss the Resident Evil 2 demo, Gearbox suing itself, our final thoughts on AGDQ, and games that we played in our childhood. All that and more soon, but first a few words from our very lovely Rebecca. of the Greetings From podcast features a special postage stamp for Discolored, the latest game from Jason Godby, creator of The Search. Discolored is a first-person puzzle adventure game set at a mysterious diner at the end of a desert road where all color has been lost. It's up to you, the player, to bring color back to the world and uncover a few secrets along the way. Jason is looking for players to help be part of his special closed demo happening at the end of January. This demo is only available to those who sign up at jasongodby.com discolored, so make sure you sign up today. We have a write-up about the demo up on blog.greetingfrom.zone. I got to play it and I had a great time. It has a kind of Twilight Zone vibe atmosphere that I think you'll really enjoy. Um, I really enjoyed the search, and so I'm, I'm really excited to see what the final product of Discolored looks like. So, if you're interested, don't forget, jasongodby.com slash discolored. Link is in the podcast description. Link is on our website. Link is available wherever links are sold. Now, enjoy the Greetings From podcast. Greetings, travelers. It is January 22nd, 2019, and this is the Greetings From podcast. My name is Rebecca Fay, as always. It's the same every week. It's the same name. Um, and I am joined by my two very great friends first... When you walk away, you don't hear me say, please, Olivia Quinn, don't go. You put some, you put some English on that intro, did you? What do you <laughs> I mean? liked what you did with it. Well, you like, you know, when you hit a, you hit a, 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 a when you hit a cue ball in like a pool and you put some English on it. I don't know. You probably don't play pool. Never what? mind. <laughs> what does that uh, mean? I don't, but I think I, uh, uh, welcome to the greetings from Poolcast, where Olivia teaches us words about pool. <laughs> Y'all should play pool. I like pool. Whatever. I mean, I can. Yeah, I like pool too. But what? I can get down with pool. What does English mean? Is that like a backspin or kinda? It's is like, that a move? I know just enough about pool to act like I know what I'm talking about, but Listen. not enough to actually explain these terms. So okay. all you know is that there are balls and pockets and a stick. <laughs> I mean, that's all you need to know. That's pretty much a lot of sports. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> what is a goal if not a really big pocket <laughs> <laughs> and that's why this is a video game podcast and not a sports podcast all right i'm also joined by someone who is a barbie girl in a barbie world life in plastic it's fantastic isn't it tyler smith let's come on barbie let's go party ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> I like your guys' intro way more. Can I redo mine? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was simple in cleaning at you. I was like, you would, you get this, right? You know what? You'll make someone the, who the is only a pool Kingdom Hearts enthusiast. song that That's true. It's true. That's the best Kingdom Hearts song. I swear to God, in our Discord, whenever Kingdom that started going, I just sang it over and over again for like three days straight. So that's been my like weekend. Just oh, should we plug Kingdom our Hearts. Discord? Hey, everyone, you should come join us over at Discord. Uh, greetings from or something. I don't know. The actual It'll be it, on the Twitter. It's yeah. on the Twitter. It's yeah, we don't Twitter. have a we don't have a flare link. I'm not gonna like discord.gg slash it. No, we yeah. don't have that. No, we don't. 
it's like discord.com yep slash like like building a community capital h one seven or something don't go to that that could be somebody else's. just go to our yeah we'll give you the links 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 in show notes links in twitter links in the description anyway sorry subscribe we just mentioned it I had to do it though, because I when I looked at the games that you listed in your in our Airtable, Tyler, there was just so many Barbie ones oh. that I was like, I am mm-hmm. absolutely remiss. Did you play Barbie Detective? I'm sorry, this is not. We're not in the meat of the podcast yet. No, but that's I just okay. Need to, know, uh, to answer the question, did you play Barbie Detective? Not that I no. can remember. Let me do a quick Googley search. Oh, Barbie Detective was so good. Barbie was my shit. To be honest, what is it different than Nancy Drew? Explain explain Barbie Detective versus Nancy Drew. Well, okay, we should- so. Bar- well, should we get into that when we're actually there? Or okay. Just, I mean, we okay, can do it yeah. now. It's fine. Okay, well, we'll hold the we'll hold the thought. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll answer that question. Barbie Detective. Back. Yeah. So, Barbie Detective TBD, um, Detective Games, all the rage. We're not here to talk about those right now. Instead, we're here to talk about some shit that's happening in games because the world is falling apart as mm-hmm. usual. So, let's not talk about that because it's, it's awful. Let's uh, start with something fun. Let's start with some zombies and some biting. And some Leon Kennedy hair that looks horrible. Leon Kennedy <laughs> looks bad in the Resident Evil 2 demo. You know how what? How do you guys feel about his look? I love it. I love how Resident Evil 2, the new game that's completely... It's the same game, but it's a completely new game from the ground up. 1998. It still has that 90s aesthetic to it somehow. And yet it's... Compl- the, the frosty tips. <laughs> uh, I and it's true. And like, you know, it's just like... Even though it's a completely updated game and it plays well and it looks amazing, it still has like that weird this is a game from the nineties vibe. I don't know. It's it's really interesting. Like it's like if we had that technology in the nineties, this is what that game would still look like. They did a really good job with it. At least, I, you know, for the demo that I've seen anyway. I guess I guess the thing is like Resident Evil Four was my first Resident Evil and that's got Leon oh. Kennedy in it. And it's just it's hashtag not my Leon. That's, oh. that's what I'm saying here for this Resident Evil demo because he looks really? too well. Like, okay, I, I like the way he looks in four, and in here he just looks like a weird baby without a chin. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of, I just like him better in four. I the remaster was four. not kind. It's it funny because Resident Evil Two fine. was my first Resident Evil, so like, I he looks. It's weird to see him the way he is now because I'm so used to him being super pixely or like not you know just the resolution has been turned way down or in this case way up for the new game but the old game is way down that game is very gory oh it's my very, god um like yeah. i had to stop like there was that like the the mouth part like i yes. know if i just say yeah, that, that it's was... obvious what part that was can you describe it in detail please um okay so here i am leon kennedy not very attractive but still look like i'm from the 90s because i have no chin and i'm just like completely unfazed by the fact that there's zombies around apparently i don't know people are just dying horribly i guess this is fine wow isn't this weird this door has like a crazy puzzle attached to it anyway oh uh by the way i just want to let everybody know my the first resident evil game i ever experienced was resident evil 7 biohazard so i don't know shit about resident evil wow wow uh so we're walking down spooky hallway as we do, uh, and then there's just like a, a police officer, and, and I'm a police officer, so obviously I gotta check out to see if my buddy who looks super dead is maybe not super dead. And then just what follows is you know Leon just being like, "Hey man, you okay?" And he's gonna. This is not at all what happens. Uh, he just lifts <laughs> his head up a little bit, and you just see 
He just man's, keeps going. He like, just keeps lifting until his head is like a like a South Park character, not attached really anymore. He's a accordion yeah. man. He just that yeah, just you just see like sinews and all the blood. It's bad. I was not well, and then I feel like seconds later you pan down the hallway and there's that man that's like hanging from a pipe, yeah. and it's like yeah, okay until that hook like slices him up through the neck and through the head, and he just kind of falls down. I was like, I don't think I'm Wait, what emotionally hook? prepared for this. It, he's like hanging from a, a thing in the rafters. It's in that same yeah. hallway. Yeah, no, that so the guy he got me because like it was like you, know, you had that horrific oh, accordion talking scene. About, talking about Mouth Man. Well, I, I, we had that scene, but then like you turn around, you yes. down the hallway, and the guy's right there. That guy, yes. like I, I like jumped because I wasn't expecting that. I didn't, but you're saying that his head falls off because he stayed hanging for me. Oh no, he fell. He fell off that hook oh, for me. See, I if he I was fell, wondering. I missed it. But I think he I, was he was on the hook for me. Him? I didn't touch him, but he was on the hook for me. And I had seen videos where the guy fell, and so I was like waiting for it because I was like, he's gonna fall. I know he is, but he didn't do it. So I'm wondering if you have huh. to interact with him in any way. I guess Rebecca's. Oh, he's, I guess he's, Rebecca's gross and touched it. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god, he slid right off that hook. It was so much. I, maybe, I, maybe that's what it is. I purposely avoided him because I knew a he's dead, and I was like, I'm not going to wait for this guy to like reanimate and grab me and try to eat my head. Um, so I like totally avoided him and then ran into several other zombies down the way. But um, yeah, uh, one one thing I wanted to bring up was I've been I played Resident Evil One I think a little earlier last year, and I've been meaning to like get into Resident Evil Two the original before I try this one out, and I I guess I kind of expected it to be this remake to not kind of fit that Resident Evil 4 mold where it's like behind the camera view and still, and this is because I didn't read watch any pre-release stuff, but kind of use the more um, stationary camera stuff. And I'm really happy with how that like translated over. Cause it seems like a perfect fit. Like they did a lot of work to make that feel really good. Yeah. I really enjoy it. Um, it's, it's interesting to be playing it in first person. Uh, and having that like perspective because normally because like you said you don't have really control over the camera in any of the resident evil games um until i think three or four i don't remember four is when they change it up four so it was like yeah. four yeah that's, that's one, like so. the last time that's like it's the last resident evil game i played until seven because i was like eh, i'm done with it because it became less of a horror survival and more of a just action shooter which don't Man, blame I them for Four is so good. I don't blame it. It's just it just wasn't my thing anymore. I was like, mm, I'm done. Um, I'm kind of I'm interested in it from a tonal perspective because like I w- I'm familiar with Resident Evil from that fixed camera kind of a thing. So like to me, at least when I'd seen Resident Evils played with the fixed camera, it was always a way to do sort of like a dramatic irony. Like it was a way to surprise the player because you'd be like, I'm just going to go down this hallway. And then the camera would tilt in such a way that you would see that there had been something following you or there was like something in a corner that you walked by and you didn't know. You know what I mean? And I feel right. like that was very scary. And so I wonder now when camera's on your shoulder and you're just like, I'm afraid that all the dead bodies are going to magically rise up and kill me. But I wonder if it changes the tone of it from like not so much scary to more, you know, I'm here to shoot the zombies. Pew, pew. Yeah, more of an action game, I guess. Um, I feel like it still kind of has that element of surprise in a way. Um, more so, like you just won't hear the zombie coming. Like I, I want to say that in the demo, and it could just be me misremembering, but I thought that in the demo I was just kind of like minding my own business, and then I essentially turn around 
um, to a zombie like coming after me because I heard him like he he came around and, like I heard him and I was like what the heck there was no zombies where I had just came from so I don't know I, where or what happened I think because there's that situation where you're walking down the hallway you kind of and there's like tapping the on the windows and stuff the, yeah yeah you see the guy banging on the, on the windows and you also see the person the you hear the cop because you saw him on the video on the video right. feed and you hear him like banging on the shutter yeah. and you pull him out and it's just like all viscera because he's like ripped uh-huh. in half by oh, zombies yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and then you come out around that corner and then it's like oh you were just here and now all these fuckers are alive and they're gonna come get you yeah. and it's just like you're in a very dark hallway filled like you know with a little bit of water you guys hear them kind of sloshing around and it, it reminds me a lot of like dead space i think because of like the darkness mm-hmm. and like the weird like i guess it's not weird but like the uh auditory things that they're doing in that game which i feel like dead space uh. did really well I don't know, Tyler. You seem like you're like in the dead space mode right now. Do you see any similarities there? I totally am. Yes. Um, Right now, I've been watching uh, a bunch of uh, not let's plays, but speed runs of Dead Space Two in particular um, because I really want to get into it. Uh, And I gotta say, like revisiting that game since it had come out, man, there's a lot of great things about that game: the sound design, the level design. The characters, the story itself is actually pretty great. The lore is great. Um, rewatching the speedruns, though, or watching it, I should say, as a speedrun, where it's the game is done within two hours and you get all of those like plot beats real quick, you kind of understand or see that they video games, at least for, was it 2010, I think, Dead Space 2 came out, um, or when that franchise was popular. Uh, the women in the game are very just plot devices or they basically betray you uh or they're just there to in dead space 2 specifically babysit uh, some guy who is mentally ill uh and like that's it that's all women are in there for and like maybe a mild love interest but which is like a it's like why because isaac loves his wife so like why is there a new romantic interest um, I totally anyway. forgot about that. I totally forgot that there was another lady who gets introduced towards the end of the game. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's Ellie. I love her. I love her character. Like, her character's really good. And she, in a way, and like, you know, further down the line, further in the game, she's more than just... She's she's presented as a, dam- as a damsel in distress, but then at the very end of the game, spoilers, I suppose, but like, at the very end of the game, she ends up not being the damsel in distress. She ends up being the hero. Um, mm-hmm. So... There's that, but, you know, she's still literally 90% of the time a babysitter. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny so. that you bring that up, because I, I wonder a lot about how Claire is going to be represented in Resident Evil 2, because I feel like her character in the first game is like, oh, she's a high schooler who rides a motorcycle and has hot pants and also has a gun. <laughs> like, And I kind of wonder, like, if it, I think things have changed, and, like, Ada Wong is also in this game, and, like... Uh, Claire Birkin. I, I don't remember the, the female scientist's name, um, but I kind of wonder how the representation of those characters are going to go because all the voice lines have been re-recorded. Like, I, I, I think it's been pretty funny seeing that meme of the guy who's like trying to shoot zombies and Leon and he says like, fuck, and then Leon also says fuck right after that. And I was like, oh no, they're saying the F word in this game. It came out in 1990-whatever. Like, yeah. they, they couldn't say that in a video game. So I'm, I'm excited to see how they reinterpret those characters. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to play it i didn't feel like super scared like okay so the reason why i've avoided (laughs) long avoided um this franchise is because i'm a weenie who's afraid of everything um and so i was just like that's too scary for me anyway uh i'm excited because i think i may actually get to play this one (laughs) how how far did you get in the demo like were you playing alone 
did I play alone? Yeah, did you have a friend with you while you were playing? Because that's what oh, I Because no. I'm a baby and I couldn't play it alone. I needed to have a no. buddy with me. Well, I had to watch somebody else play it. Like I watched a Let's Play and then I felt safe enough to play it. This is what I do. This is secretly what I do with horror games is usually I watch someone play it obsessively and then I'm like, okay, I can do this because I can like psych myself up for it. Um, you know, there's no so- harm in that. Uh, some people who don't, maybe who don't like horror, I know people who literally read like wiki or whatever about like a movie that's coming out or something and they'll read the whole thing and they know exactly what the movie's about and so that way when whatever happens happens they're like more prepared for it totally valid no shame no like uh i don't know what i'm trying to say but like (laughs) you know like i'm not like you shouldn't feel bad i you shouldn't feel bad for doing it i'm glad that you are at least making an attempt to enjoy something i love um and that you're not like letting scariness or gore like prevent you from enjoying something that is really good, or at least well, thing, so far. And I I could get like this is the thing that I never really understood about myself, but like I can get really in deep on these things. So like so taking Resident Evil Seven as an example, I loved it. Like I watched people stream it. I wa- I must have sat and watched that game get played through like ninety times. Like I don't know what my problem is, but I was like. It was so entertaining to me to watch. And there's just a lot of games that I, I think especially horror games, I love watching them. Like, I will sit and watch them to the cows come home. And then when it comes to like, it, oh, it's your turn now. It's like, mm, gonna powered pass on that one. When you know. played Resident Evil 7, did you like watch a bunch and then play it a bunch? Or did you play it once and you're like, cool, I'm done? Um, so I watched it a bunch. I knew exactly what was going to happen. And then I tried to sit down with it and I was like, nope, goodbye. I could not do it. And I tried really? to do... Well, so I have the Resident Evil 7, like, VR... Oh, shit. Oh, yes. no. Yes. Yeah. No. Do it. Oh, no. No, I, 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 I did. I did do it is the thing. And I regretted it wow. <laughs> instantly. Because it's just you in a chair. It's not you actually playing the game. It's like its own proof of concept, which I think is really interesting. Um, but it's just like you in the chair. And then, you know, people are stalking around you and like throwing things in your face and like kind of moving from ear to ear. And it's just very unsettling. Wow. You can play all of seven and headset, right? You yeah, can you can. Game as a VR game. Uh-huh. Oh, man. That's how I want yeah. to experience. I want to get a VR headset specifically to play that game so I can cry and never sleep again. I don't know. I just feel like the part where you just get your hand cut off is like already more than I could take in normal D. That was intense. And I feel like, you know, the the hand being cut off in Resident Evil 7 is the accordion face in Resident Evil 2. Like they have they put that in there early on. So like just kind of like set the tone of the game and like not that the whole game's going to be this gory that we're aware of. uh, But like it just kind of like that's super unsettling. I wish I had not played the accordion on his face um (laughs) (laughs) i do wonder if the gore is meaningful i guess and i mean this in the sense of resident evil kind of as a larger picture like obviously the reviews i think are really good and you know people are like this is not just a remake this is like maybe the best remake of anything and you know this is really a love letter to the series and and and, you know that those that's all the kind of conversation that's happening around it but i always wonder like, I think what you say is really important, Tyler, about how it definitely sets the tone. And so that whole like, hey, we're just going to cut your hand off and then it comes back. But this is what that game is. 
in Resident Evil 7, I'm interested if that first sequence in 2 is like, hey, we're going to set the scene and you're going to see a bunch of people get ripped in half and their viscera is going to be everywhere and that man just doesn't have a jaw anymore and whatever. Um, I wonder if that's going to be like, they're going to really kind of grind it home and be like, hey, this whole thing is gross or it's just like, hey, this game is scary. You know what I mean? I'm interested in the long game for gore in that. Because yeah. it's obvious that they were like, look how good we could render that Physics. man's throat being torn open. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was a lot. It was, it was so much. It was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have come very far here in terms of graphics. I don't know the who's calling technology. Me. It's so uh. powerful. <laughs> um, I think one thing I just wanted to comment about the viscera and the gore, because I played Resident Evil um, Code Veronica. That was actually my first game. And I got like five minutes into it. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. It's too scary. <laughs> I can't control the game. I'm not going to play it anymore. Like I got to the first section and said, this sucks. And I'm not going to do it anymore. Because I sure. don't feel like I can move. Um, with four, I played the game. And in that opening sequence, you're kind of going through a, a t- like a little village. And then some guy comes up with a chainsaw and cuts your head off. And like... It just, oh. it, it doesn't have to happen, but if you play the game poorly, it, and I remember sitting there being like 15 and like having the chainsaw head thing happen and just being like, oh my God, I need to like walk away from it. This is a little too much for me. Wow. But I think that there is an effective use of like, hey, you're not really safe. Insta kills are really, are, can happen here. And like, it's, they're trying to be a little less campy compared. I think like, as Tyler was saying, like that tone setting piece is really important because it kind of like sets, hey, here's the expectations of this game in the first five minutes. Yeah, because yeah. it's funny because you still kind of like run the same like they did a very good job of animating the characters um, running in in the sense like the way that they ran in Resident Evil 2. They kind of still run in Resident Evil 2 2018 or 19, you know, um, and so it's just very there's like little things about this game that they paid attention to detail. And it has so far in my 30 minutes of playing the game really paid off. Um, and I, I feel like it has definitely, it, like Breck was saying, it's a love letter to the franchise. Um, and they've done a really good job of making this like a almost spiritual successor, but it's the same game, but not the same game. Um, and I, ho- I kind of wish to see more of it. I mean, I have, I, this again, this is all very preemptive as I have not played the entire game yet. This is based on the 30 second demo or 30 minute demo. Um, but what I've seen so far, what I've played so far, I'm going to really enjoy this game, I feel. so. You know, I will say that, and maybe it's just because I, like, only played, like, childish games for a long time when I was growing up, but um, I can't wait until there gets to be a game that I played at some point in time that I get to live until the remake comes out, because right now... You know what I mean? This this is a really significant upgrade from 1998 or 1999, whenever it came out, um, to 20 years later. And now it's like, you know, playing that demo, if this was not, like, if I didn't know this was a remake, I would have 100% believed that this was a brand spanking new ass game that came out this year. Like, you would never yeah. look totally. at this and be like, this is a remake, where everything else I've played has been like, well, this is a remake. You know what I mean? Like... Katamari Damacy looks better and, you know, Dark Souls look better, but it really is not that kind of an upgrade. And so I can't wait until I can outlive a game <laughs> until someone really remakes it. Because right now... You can't wait till we get the Kingdom Hearts 2035. No. Ah! No. I, Kingdom Hearts, after this third release, it needs to either be reimagined 
or Tyler, I, let me tell you, Dream Drop Distance is the reimagining. We got lots yeah. of games here that are the same yeah. game over and over again. Gosh. Well, okay, so Dream Drop Distance is not the same game. Coded is the same game. Ah, uh, okay, I apologize. Yeah, Dream <laughs> Drop Distance. Lack of knowledge. Yeah, Dream Drop Distance <laughs> is like if you were playing normal Kingdom Hearts, but then it was also like a Pokemon game at the same exact time. Okay, so it, it is the okay. same story. Well, so technically it takes place after Kingdom Hearts 2 and like it's the most recent in the I timeline. I regret asking. Okay, so it's it's, it's the most recent in the timeline. Uh, it's where Riku and Sora take their Mark of Mastery exam in order to be pro Keyblade key oh wielders. Because <laughs> I can I can talk about I feel the like timeline if you want. Some, somehow I feel like the next story that we're going to talk about is even less salacious than the Kingdom Hearts timeline, but grosser than Head Viscera. Um, do you guys want to talk about this Randy Pitchford thing? Yes. Oh, Gearbox Let's. is suing itself. Well, it's so sort of just, just to give a very high level uh, kind of overview of what's happening. Randy Pitchford, CEO of Gearbox, who made Borderlands and Aliens Colonial Marine. Um, Which was, was sued- a true classic. Exactly. Um, it seems like Gearbox has had some issues. Like, I feel like I haven't seen a good <laughs> game from them. Yeah. Like, I, I do wonder what's happening there because I'm like, oh, Battleborn, like, you know, I, I know the different games, Battleborn and Overwatch, but it seems like that kind of Overwatch ate Battleborn's lunch. And now Battleborn is like relegated to the history books. Yeah. And like we haven't really seen anything new besides like a Borderland VR game and like a spinoff. Yeah. Yes. And I heard Borderlands VR was like kind of middling. Like you just sort of it's just the same it's, game, but it has stupid VR controls. It feels like, like a like, oh, we want to make a we want to learn the tech on how to make a VR game. So yeah. we're gonna make this Borderlands 2 version so that way we have our like technology base down. That's how I read that game. Um, yeah. So just to give a high level review. Um, Wade Calendar, who's the general counsel of Gearbox from 2010 to 2018, uh, filed suit against Randy Pitchford for alleging, you know, contract violations uh, in, with Gearbox and with a separate real estate company. So it seems like they had a personal friendship or relationship. Um, Gearbox filed a countersuit against Wade Calendar, and in this countersuit, Gearbox claimed that the allegations were absurd, no basis in reality, and then it got really personal. Uh, I'm going to quote the Kotaku story here. And this is quoting from the actual suit. And it said, uh, Calendar abused the privilege of credit card access by charging unapproved, wholly personal expenses, including family vacations, gun club memberships, and firearm accessories, and trying to get six-pack abs. Uh, that This was the countersuit officially filed by Gearbox itself. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and this is like a content warning, I guess, because we're going to get into like some talk about sex workers, because uh, I think that's where the story goes next. And that's a little, uh, you know... Just heads up. This is this is more than no, I even gets, realized. It gets oh really deep. You didn't know this. Yeah. Oh god! I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. Oh, yeah. I did not know how deep it went. I knew that it was. Really... I'm going to sue you, and then we're going to counter sue. Like I knew that storyline. Holy so, shit! So in Calendar's lawsuit, he alleges that like you know Calendar and Pitch were friends. Um, their relationship mm. fell apart. Uh, the big bombshell, according to Calendar, is that Pitchford in 2016 um, got a deal from like some of the producers to get 12. Or, it's it's un, I'm unsure from, about where the money's coming from. Thought it was from an executive Activ- bonus. It was a, it was it Activision or um no, it's 2K Gaming, wasn't it? One oh, okay, that makes sense because they're they're the publishers. publishers. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So Pitchford himself got a, a executive bonus of twelve million dollars, which is uh. going to be paid directly to a separate entity that Pitchford owns called uh, Pitchford Entertainment Media Magic LLC. And like on its own, that doesn't seem illegal. It seems like shitty. But it doesn't yeah. seem like it breaks the terms of any contracts unless they had something kind of already set up. Um, the other part 
oh, I'm sorry, as part of this, uh, he's alleging that with that um, executive bonus, he was able to siphon off some of the money that was supposed to be paid to towards the development of Borderlands and kind of put in his personal account. Uh. And then the other part is that in 2014, Calendar alleges that Pitchford left a USB drive in a <laughs> in a medieval times that contained corporate <laughs> documents from Gearbox, <laughs> 2K, uh, Sega, Sony, Microsoft. Yeah, and in addition to and this this like it's not funny. I think uh, I think medieval times is funny, but this other part where it oh. says that he also had um, illegal underage pornography on the disc on the yeah, USB you had drive. Me at medieval times. Yeah, in addition to his corporate documents, um, Pitchford. <laughs> had apparently gone on a podcast um, a little bit before. It's it's unclear of the timeline. I've heard mixed uh, things where it's like, oh, he recorded it before the lawsuit was officially filed, but the podcast came out the day after the lawsuit was filed. Yeah, um, it was recent. Yeah, so it was around the same time, and Gearbox went, okay, so uh, Pitchford is a magician, like by trade, before yes. he started Gearbox, <laughs> and he owns a magic podcast, or he owns a magic magazine. He went on a magic podcast and talked about uh, his enjoyment of cam girl pornography and how he liked to watch women stream erotic content. And he said that the video that was on a USB drive um, was of a cam girl whose name was barely like her username. Her handle was barely 18. And he talked about her masturbating and how it's actually a magic, a magical. Well, he said specifically, this is not a sex worker. This is a fucking magician. Well, yeah, he said, the reason, there. he said the reason that he had that pornography or that that one porn video a recording of the cam girl on the USB drive of other very cryptic, you know, company files um, was because while she was recording, she was doing a magic trick and he's calling uh, it bullshit or what, like he was, she was trying to, he saved it so they could figure out how he was, she was doing the magic trick. That's like her, why he's saying. Her faking female ejaculation. Or and yeah, like, like it was, like, it's have- some... <laughs> exactly. That's, that's his reason for saving the the video. It's so, and like, he had to go on this podcast and kind of defend himself and say like, "Listen, oh I God. enjoy barely eighteen, barely legal porn. That's like a genre of you know people who have just turned eighteen or, that's not or who you like, be like look questionably younger than they really are." Yeah, I know. It's not something you really want to be. It's it seems like, a little strange that he's for, going to this length to defend his like poor because yeah. it's like whatever. If he wants, I'm, I'm not like young. I'm not defending him, but it, yeah, you know, it's just it's what it is. So, right. oh my god. Oh, I'm sorry. There was one other thing There's, where he was yeah. also the the peacock parties. I totally yes, forgot the about peacock that. parties. So apparently, uh, alleged in in Calendar's lawsuit, he also said that Pitchford in a private venue in his property would sometimes uh, host these parties where it would be uh, of age men who would expose themselves to underage women in things called peacock parties, which but all of this. Uh, That's hearsay. Well, yeah, I, he, so we need to. So I do know that. I mean, I personally don't know, but I have heard other people talking about this and they're like, yeah, uh, Randy and his wife would invite me over to his house um, and have like a huge party, you know, and they'd have gatherings and stuff. And they have like this, this apparently they have, a, a theater in their house like a like an old-timey um almost from like red dead redemption that kind of theater they have that in this their house you know they have too much money okay i know right but that's like where he likes to do his magic tricks and you know have performers and do stuff and so the person who's who i'm talking about who went to this party or whatever or have been invited to their house to have you know to, to parties in general said that they haven't seen anything like that um 
in terms of like people exposing themselves again though not to say that it hasn't happened because they weren't there specifically watching randy to expose himself to someone you know it's not he's they're not watching everyone they're there to have a good time and have they you know drink and socialize um so who knows if it's true or not there's a lot of allegations going around this is a serious allegation that you know he is sexually assaulting people or is is i think uh in kota i don't know if it's in kotaku or there's another article or the Ars Technica article is pretty long. Like, and that's like, and it's it's like well, it's, record. it's quoted mm-hmm. as he watches kitty porn, right? And like, that's like a red flag. Like just that phrase. It's not, oh, he watches barely 18 porn. It's he watches kitty porn. Like that's completely different. It's yeah. all equally bad, I, but like it's the, the phrasing, the terminology, like totally for like pedophilic. Nope. It all just, like, is pretty lurid, and also, like, it seems like, you know, I'm not throwing allegations out there, it just seems like if you're going out of your way to defend yourself and get all of this on the record way ahead of time, it does kind of paint a, a pretty bad picture, in my opinion. Yeah. So that's that's the part where I'm like, oh, you're going out of your way to talk about your porn habits, and also, like, to have this very long explanation, and I believe in the Ars Technica story, um, Ars reached out, to, uh, reached out to Gearbox for an official statement, and they sent that podcast recording Got it. As like their official statement. Oh, this is like this is why. Oh my lord. Interesting. Yeah, and there was one other part that I forgot where it's David Eddings. Um, he's the former Gearbox vice president, and I'm quoting the art story here. Oh, he's yeah. the mm-hmm. voice of uh, Claptrap in Borderlands. He ended up uh, tweeting. Uh, he tweeted a couple things. He the tweeted. first thing he tweeted was, uh, "Yeah, he tweeted it's true without saying anything else." And then on the 12th, uh. he followed it up with, um, "Pitchford," and then "Liar," checkmark emoji, "Con man," checkmark emoji. And then perv, no idea. So there is like a lot going on in the story. So it's very possible that Randy did uh, take twelve million dollars to his own pocket instead of either sharing with the devs or putting it back into to games in the company. Uh, right. And then who knows about the kitty porn? Right. And just to be clear, I don't think that if he, unless he's breaching contract anywhere, which is very, it could be well, totally that's likely, it, and that's why calendar suits related to you. It's not like illegal for him to have an, an extra deal on the side. That's, that's what the contract will come into play. So the, whoever yeah. is presiding over this case will have to read the contract and be like, well, according to this contract between Gearbox or Randy Pitchford and Randy Pitchford and the publisher or something stupid, this is either legal or not illegal. Um, and who knows? It's a bad look, no matter what. It, it's a real bad yeah, look all the way across. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, $12 million. That's that's a lot. Like, Gearbox is, is a AAA, you know, company. Are they? Like, I, just, I was going to say, like, I feel they, like... I think at a certain point they were, but their record of, like, publishing has been so yeah. low recently. In terms yeah. of AAA, I think they're a really small team. Um, when, you know, when you think AAA, you think at least a hundred people on the team. I think they're under that. I think they're about 50 people. That's still a lot of people to be fair. Um, and they still produce, you know, these, these games that are of AAA quality, technically. Um, so $12 million goes a really long way for that, for people's salaries, let alone like just the company in general. Like, I don't know. Why, if you if you got that twelve extra million dollars, you're the CEO of the company. Why? Sorry, no, it's okay. Why would you, <laughs> you know, take that much more and like keep it to yourself? I guess people are just greedy. If it if it's true, who knows? Anyway, yeah, 
it just it's totally like it just seems like the whole thing is a little a little nuts so i think i just wanted to kind of get that story out there because i've heard so many things about it that getting it down on record seemed important to me and yeah <laughs> we can move on from the the grossness yeah. of all of well, it gearbox has been, this is like you know another like dot on the line of things gearbox has been kind of wrapped up in um i think back in 2012 they were wrapped it up in a uh key uh game key like the, the nitro keys or whatever yes oh, yo, it's the, the g2a thing yeah the, that was the, it, the g2a it? thing where they were sponsoring a site that basically stole video game keys and then distributed them to people or yeah, it was I that. it was it's a weird mm-hmm. thing they've been wrapped up in some interesting things and like they they totally like were like oh no it's fine and then they were like you know they doubled back and they're like oh no actually never mind and yeah and they've been quiet since then like that was pretty much the last time we heard of them and then they've you know released uh the new vr game for borderlands and i think they did a few things with telltale um in terms of the oh yeah um, forgot about the borderlands borderlands story yeah, I forget what it's called oh, now. Tales from the Borderlands. Or the there, it has to do with Handsome Jack. I know it. Yeah, so. It's and the, yeah, actually, I played a little bit of it. I liked it. I didn't think it was bad. Like the border, the Borderlands Telltale thing. I thought it was like probably the best Borderlands content I've played. Uh-huh. Like best writing, at least. So Yeah. Um, one other thing I just remembered is that in a suit, I think, believe last year, Randy Pitchford was suing his um, personal assistant for stealing from him, allegedly. Oh, boy. Stealing So that... I wonder. Like, he was his personal assistant who was siphoning off, like, using a company credit card or a credit card of Randy Pitchford's to steal money. So, wow. this is just, like, another log to add to that fire. So There's a lot of things yeah. going over at Gearbox. Something's not quite right. Um, we'll uh, see. More, more than a few things, I'd say. Yeah. can't believe they left it at a medieval times. Oh, my <laughs> God. Who goes? I, uh, I mean... I haven't been who to goes medieval to medieval times. times? Me. A long time. No, we don't have these in Arizona, so we, we can't say that. Uh, one one thing I feel like is worth mentioning on the conversation of people suing each other is just the whole Pinkerton suing Rockstar oh over their portrayal in Red Dead Two. Oh, that's right. That just broke that not yeah. too long ago, huh? Yeah, huh? And so the Pinkertons, long known as America's uh, most uh, morally all okay did not ever do a bad thing never busted up unions (laughs) never hunted down criminals never maybe worked outside of the law well they sure don't like that you gun go there kill them in that western game despite the fact that the pickertons have been in portrayed poorly in media since like probably the dawn of the pickertons Mm -hmm. um yeah they're suing rockstar for a little of that um red dead to cashola and i believe rockstar is now counter suing that's what i heard most recently was that we're now counter suing so you know it's a game i mean like it's a game and if you didn't say anything about it no one would ever think anything of you like the the fact that you're making it you know suing someone and making your face public in in the media is like looking at letting inviting people to look at you and being like no listen all these things a b c d here are the receipts anyway i i'm looking at this esquire story um and here's pinkerton president jack zaron who um was talking about how his employees were put in an awkward position of having to explain to their young game players why red dead redemption incurs murder of the pinkertons um Um, and i don't know how much of the history you guys know of the pinkertons but they're like they were known yeah no like union busting like yeah. go out and murder folks 
So, oh yeah, they were like, outside of the law. It was bad. Yeah, so I, I find it a little ridiculous that we have. It just doesn't seem to make sense that you would have like actual historical records that this game is based off of that are <laughs> now being like they're like, oh, you need to pay us a licensing fee to use our name a hundred years after the fact. It's almost so, like there's money. Yeah, well, yeah, it's money, and it's almost like they're saying we still are this way, and you should not portray us this way because like we want to get away with things still it's really weird um well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh the pinkertons are part of like that securitas ab oh my or whatever goodness. like yeah, that very yeah. large conglomerate of like private military contractors yeah so, they are <laughs> uh, kind of i don't know i i can't say i guess but it seems right. like maybe private mil- <laughs> if metal gear solid 4 has taught us anything it's like pmcs maybe aren't the right way to go <laughs> Well, too bad that Rockstar Company is ruining the good name of beloved Pinkerton agent Booker DeWitt, who never did a bad thing wrong and is completely a real person. Uh-huh. Do you guys remember? Because I was trying to figure out if um, they actually got sued, if this the same situation happened with uh, Bioshock Infinite. Do you guys have any idea about that? Because I could not find any um, sources. I don't, I don't think they did. I think so. As far as I knew, nothing ever came of it. Like The question was why this game, this year, this time... It seems mm-hmm. like it just comes down to money because you figure probably, I mean, I'm sure Red Dead probably is well, six times outsell Bioshock Infinite. So I'm wondering if it's literally just a dollar sign. You know what I mean? That makes sense. I mean, like you see those like headlines and you see the Pinkertons in there and it's like, okay, you could have a general counsel decide to be like, well, we can make a little bit of money here. It's worth giving it a shot. I don't think they'll yeah. really win, honestly. It's not like defamation. They're not literally saying that. I'm sure this will be settled out of court yeah. at the very end. Yeah. Like, yeah maybe is maybe going to be a drop in the bucket for Rockstar in the long run too. It's interesting as well, considering that the Pinkertons, I feel like are not even as present in Red Dead 2 as they were in like Red Dead 1, for example. No, I rarely run into them. So. I don't know. It's a fine day for a lawsuit, everybody. Uh Oh man, getting mad at everything. Like the Gillette commercial. (laughs) Oh, Yeah. Uh, you guys saw that so, tweet, right? Yeah. So, are we? Are we? Are we? Have we canceled Marty? Mc, what's his Marty O'Don? Marty McFly? What's his name? Marty, Marty O'Donnell. Marty O'Donnell is canceled. Just seems like a weird hill for him to die. On. I was gonna say, yes. yeah. It's too bad we have no idea who did all that great music for Halo. So that person right. is just a mystery lost right. time. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't um, know. What did the tweet say? I'm trying to find the actual tweet right now. Oh, all uh, it said was just he- like. Pour on you, Gillette, for your progressive commercial and saying that men bully each other. It didn't say all that. It just said, "Screw you, Gillette. I'm switching over to the Dollar Club." That was it. But yeah, it was it was a very not all men kind of response. Right. Except the Dollar Shave Club already did this, but like two years ago. Yeah. Oh, I it was like, "Hey, Gillette, I just signed up for the Dollar Shave Club. Thanks for your great advertising." Right. It's just what a bummer. Yikes. And, yikes, and like indeed. everyone, that's everyone in the sweet. gaming industry jumped on this guy. They were like, "What? <laughs> like you're you were so cool for making all of these soundtracks for Halo and Destiny, and I don't know about Destiny Two because um, I think he left Microsoft after that or Bungie." After yeah, it that. seems like he's working at a different studio right. from what I can see. Here. Um. Anyway, it's yeah, it's like whatever, dude. Get <laughs> just get mad about it, I suppose. I mean, maybe 2019 is just the year that we all finally die on those, like, petty hills that we're destined to die on, like the Pickertons on whatever that stupid bullshit is, and 
Marty O'Donnell and his Gillette is racist or whatever thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe 2019 is just the year that we all get really petty. Mm, maybe. And then that's it. It's just, we're just, gonna, we're just starting at petty. <laughs> and we're going down from there. I mean, like, who, what was he, who was he trying to prove? I feel like he was, like, virtue signaling or something, you know? Like... I, what? I don't know. Why make that Save statement? Me from this hell. Like, I don't want to talk why? about Marty O'Donnell anymore. Yeah. He's the worst. We can, we can so move we, on. Yeah. We can move on. It's not, it's not honestly not that big of a news. It's just, it was a funny thing to see. <laughs> it was very important to him that he established. Anyway. What? <laughs> um, did you guys uh, watch Source of AGTQ? Have you like caught up on the videos or the VODs? I watched that near one finally. So oh, yeah. I'm happy. Yeah, I, got, it, I got to stay was, up for that. Was it good? Was it worth it? I haven't watched the VODs yet. Uh, it was near, and I was uh, like, I like near a lot, so yeah. definitely worth it. I don't know. I watched the Silent Hill 2 one again, the Silent Hill 2 VOD again, and I kind of get what you were talking about, Tyler, so I still <laughs> think it's worth watching, but I do yeah. think not under the guise of, like, a not sleeping for 12 hours, like, not sleeping in, in this, like, addled state. It really isn't as good as I thought it was. Did so, he not just sleep? To follow I mean, up there. so I, I didn't know that, what was his name, Peachy? That he was an an announcer. No, I was I was not sleeping, so I was like up working on stuff and had that on the side and like on the side TV, being like, "Oh, this is pretty good." But you know, I think a lot of things are pretty good when you're in that state. Yeah. Well, I I found out later that Peachy, I think is his name. um, He, the runner for speedrunner for Silent Hill Two, he also was an announcer there at GDQ. So he actually Mm -hmm. works. He was one of those like volunteers for GDQ. Um, and that's great. That's wonderful. I just didn't particularly appreciate his demeanor as a speedrunner um, during his speedrun because all he had to say, like all of his his shtick was just being that angry nerd type and just like, ah, oh, this game sucks and ah, oh, man, you know. Th- yeah. And I was just like, I, th- I thought there was like a little bit of a wink and a nod there to be like, oh, we've played this game a thousand hours and like, maybe, you know, it's, it's really po- broken. It's, so, yeah, it's very possible that his his ba- his banter was not for me um, and it was for for the speedrunning community at large and his friends. And that's that's fine. Um, I just it just was personally watching it. I just found it to be like a little grating and I was like, wow, I really kind of. Can I can just sure. tune out? I guess I don't really have to like you know listen. I, to I definitely guy, think that but... like speed runs are like really dependent on the how much you actually like the runner themselves and like the level oh, of skill they're pulling totally. out. So, yeah. What 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 comments have you seen, um, Rebecca or Tyler? Would you guys watch? Well, so I don't know. I so I stuck around for. I haven't really watched any of the vods, but I stuck around at the end for the Dark Souls Bloodborne block, which that was like so I good. walked away kind of like about I don't know. Um, I felt I I love Zeus. I feel really bad because I know that that was a really tough run. Like that was a tough run of Bloodborne and Zeus Bloodborne got really the stick yeah. on uh, what's his name. It's that a fucking one reborn. It's such a piece. Of oh, I actually box. I watched this. I watched this today actually on my lunch break. I was like, yeah, oh, I'm gonna put this on, and it's kind of it's. He's a good runner. I like him. Yeah, he's really super talented, and it, it's. I think all bosses is really where he shines. So that was the run that he did a maybe last year. I think that's like a really good shining. Uh, like thing for him i feel like although i didn't realize there was so much drama happening in the speedrun so like the speed souls community oh boy i don't know who is at fault or and i don't want to point fingers and i don't want to make assumptions but i guess i don't know it seems very clickish in speed souls at least on the dark Souls side and so it sounded like there was some bad blood between them and 
Zeus and I don't know if something happened and I don't know there's a there's a sense of elitism I think to some of the Dark Souls runners not all of them obviously but I think I don't know that's something that I don't really like and so watching that stream I was just a little turned off because it just was sort of like I don't know it just gives me a weird feeling you know what I mean because I I really like when people are like come down to our discord and come hang out with us and then you know like when I look up speed souls they're like okay well first you have to like come to our streams and then maybe we'll pay attention to you yeah. I don't know. I don't it think that's like how there's, supposed to like, read it, but it feels kind of weird. It seems like there is like a kind of, for me at least, and like, oh, wanting to get like more online communities with like speedrunning. I feel like I've kind of hit that wall where I'm like, well, I'm not ready to commit like a large portion of my life to this, so I'm not going to yeah. really touch it. So I can see where you're, what you're talking about there. That makes sense to me. Well, and it was interesting <laughs> seeing uh, uh, Jesus run again this year um, because last year, you know, he had the girl. I forget her name now. She's very lovely, but she also ran Bloodborne um, and defeated the Pontiff uh, blindfolded. But she was there, um, and it was pretty great. Like I th- he was very like he was in. I think he was on her couch, um, mm-hmm. sitting on the couch behind her, you know, and and kind of discussing the game as she was playing it because it was very difficult. Um, and they felt like he was a lot more, you know, inclusive. So this time around, I don't know if it was just because he was by himself. Um or what, but yeah, it was just kind of interesting. Um, and maybe you know, maybe they feel like uh, they say, yeah, we'll help you speed run, like come to our, you know, we're please come to our Discord, or whatever, talk to us, message us, whatever. It's no big deal. Like we'll help you out. But I feel like also they might be, um, they either get a lot of messages from players who aren't very good at the game, and they're it's like, okay, listen. I would love to help you, but you just need to learn, spend more time with the game and kind of learn how to do things um, a little better. Just to get used to how enemies work and like blocking or dodging or parrying, you know, your skill level has to be a certain height. And then once that's there, then you can like, we can talk about trying to speedrun things, but I don't know. I don't know. I haven't talked to anyone about speedrunning, so I don't know, you know, if they're nice or if they're if they're mean. Um so who knows? I think it just kind of comes down to like you know, very much like it comes down to the streamer, it comes down to that streamer's community, it comes down to the community that's come up around a game. And I think with a game like Dark Souls, I think it has the ability to fall to its worst community which is people who feel like being able to play it somehow makes you better than other people True. you know that's a pocket of that community that i cannot stand because it's right. just like you know what i mean like fuck off well, it's like, like smash even, bros right you know like yeah oh i can well, even who do you mean at- smash bros oh you know smash ultimate final stage only whatever is like okay great yeah and even like I don't know if you guys saw it, but um, Jason Schreier just put out. I think it was yesterday. He put out a an article, or maybe it was this morning, um, about how it took him four years, and then he finally was like, "Oh, I get why Bloodborne is so great. Like, I finally clicked with me, and it took me a really long time, but now I understand it." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I don't know. It's just they have such a reputation, and so I don't know. I I felt like that Saturday block. I was really excited for it. It just felt like it kind of sunk for me. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, though. That's a bummer. It's a bummer when community stuff is, like, turns negative in that way, especially when, like, clicks and things divide people. Yeah. Although one thing I I think is really funny are people who are obsessed with speedrunners, like YouTube celebrities, even if they're, like, a really minor person. Like, there's always those people that come out of the woodwork and are just, like, obsessed with them and, like, 
Like there was a lot of conversation happening in some discords I was following. And I was just like, oh, whoa, no. you guys, like, let I, us turn this. Your guys are at like a 12 and I need you like a two. I started listening to the Polygon show recently and I was listening to Simone de Rochefort. And she was talking about how people were writing fan fiction about her mm-hmm. and how her, she had her friend check in on her. because She's like, I don't oh. want to know. I don't want to know about your weird love stories or whatever or oh, what, no. what's going on. But I have to, I have my eyes out there watching. <laughs> so I want I want to read, and I know that's that happens with a lot of YouTubers where it's like, oh, people yeah. are writing. So I wonder if that's also part of the speedrunning community. I'm sure it has to be. I think any kind of fan community they're horny for that it. bubbles up. Yeah, although that is like really hotly contested. I think in a lot of fandoms is like when it involves real people. That's always where yeah. the people get like. It's a uh, where do we draw the line? You know what I mean. Yeah. When it's not Kirk and Spock, but it's like Markiplier or Jacksepticeye. Like, mm-hmm. I know that I personally feel uncomfortable with it, but I do wonder, like, if people, like, younger folks who are, like, probably the main audience for that are yeah. are really, like, if there's a filter there. You know what I mean? So I wonder if that's going to stop anytime soon. I doubt it. I doubt it. Because I think it just depends on what is, like, your interest. And then I think that piece naturally just sort of shows up. And so whether yeah. your interest is like YouTubers or your interest is like Star Trek, you know what I mean? Then I think that just sort of, it's the same thing that just manifests differently. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. I think horny, horny shit is a good place to call it <laughs> and, and move on to more, to more nice things, to more childlike things. I mean, I f- it's bad because we started the pod talking about Resident Evil 2, which was a game that some of us played when we were young, and Kingdom Hearts, which is a game that I played a lot of when I was young, and I think Olivia, you did as well. And so these two games are also trash fires in their own way. So, you know, I feel like we're we're going to take it back, we're going to kick it back to some childhood nostalgia, but also it's been awful this whole time, and it's still <laughs> awful and a nightmare. <sighs> Rebecca, I want to hear about Kingdom Hearts. Tell me about your weird Kingdom Hearts. Um, okay, so Kingdom Hearts was the first game I ever got for a console. Um, uh, my first console, like my first console TV console was a PlayStation 2. Um, before that I'd only ever had like uh Nintendo handheld, so I had a Game Boy Color and I had a Game Boy Advance, CSP, whatever. Um, and so yeah, I got I was really excited to play Kingdom Hearts because I loved Disney because I was about, you know, 12, right? Which is the perfect age to love Disney. Um, and so I was super psyched for Kingdom Hearts. Um, I, my little PS2 was plugged into a tiny, big, boxy square TV that probably was like a maybe a 10-inch screen. It was itty-bitty. Um, and I played the shit out of that game for years and years and years and years. Um, I played all of the other games that came out with it. So I played Coded, I played Dream Drop Distance, I had Birth by Sleep, I had Kingdom Hearts 2, like all of those I have. And I played them. And now, like, I'm 26 years old looking back at being 12 and loving Kingdom Hearts. And like Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out next week. And there's a part of me that's like, so there and so down to clown. And then a part of me that's also like, what the fuck am I doing? It's been so many years, like... I don't even know if I can hang with it anymore. I I wonder because I didn't really play Kingdom Hearts. I was like probably I'm a little bit older than you, and so my friend, my cousin, my younger cousin is like, "Oh, check out this Kingdom Hearts game," and I I really like the PS2. Yeah. And then I was like, "Oh, I gotta I gotta get this shit. It looks good. I like this Disney thing is so weird." 
And then yeah. I just remember listening to that like simple and clean song on repeat over and over and over again. Amazing. Being like 15 years old. Yeah. And then um <laughs> just getting like a little like low-key obsessed with that game and like not talking to anyone about it because I'm like, this is like some kid shit that no one needs to know about <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, sure. But uh, I, I like 100% of that game. Like I fought Sephiroth and I like I got yeah. right into two as well. And I really like there's it's it's a weird game. There's like a weird tonal shift there that doesn't really make any sense. And it's like, why are these Final Fantasy characters here? It's not really ever explained, but it's just no. happening. Um, and the I, gummy ship's terrible. I don't care what you say. It's bad. No, <laughs> it shouldn't. is. I, I never wanted to do those sections. I never built my gummy ship. I never put two seconds of thought into it, honestly. like It just wasn't worth it. And I do wonder, like, the story of that game. Like, I know I haven't played all of them. I'm kind of, like, leaving myself intentionally blind a little bit uh-huh. to, so that way I can kind of go through them my own pace. But I'm like, does it ever really make sense? I've heard from people who are obsessed. They're like, it doesn't. It's all bullshit. What do you think about it? So it's a really difficult call because I think there are like moments where it really shines and it comes out with this idea that's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then there's also times when it just, I don't know, it makes these really baffling lore decisions that make sense to nobody and like aren't even really prompted or worthwhile so i think then that sort of boils down into okay well is this like a legitimate game that's important or is this like a stretch to make a little bit of money on this franchise that has not gotten a mainline game release for like the last 15 years you know what i mean yeah that's a a tough sell i think some of the history is really interesting and i think the way that it tries to tell the story is really interesting because kind of fundamentally it's basically harry potter is sort of the storyline and i'm like yeah i can hang with that but then there's like all of these other pieces of like this is six different people from the future and from the past and now we're in data and now i'm in a computer except it's the computers in my memory and now i've put memories into a person that's actually data you know what i mean so it kind of like god yeah and so so here's the thing that's even difficult to me is so like even it even has a tendency to when they are delivering like really important lore pieces and i think about so there was like a i don't know if it was a mobile game or if it was like a like a clicker or something like that but there was this whole game that was centered around the concept of the keyblade war so this is like going all the way back to the original like why shit went to hell in the kingdom hearts originally and why all of this is sort of transpiring and it's like they try to deliver this like yeah so we humans did the human thing we all fucked up right and so this thing that was good and pure we destroyed it and now it's scattered all over in these pieces and somebody has to put it back together and then like that is delivered by a man wearing a unicorn outfit and so it's kind of like sometimes it's just like i don't know what i'm supposed to get out of this story that the the last thing i want to say is i i remember Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember in Kingdom Hearts 2, um, uh-huh. like the first game, it's all about like Sora fighting Kairi. And then it kind of changes yeah. to Sora trying to go after Riku. Right. And it seems like Riku and Sora have a much stronger relationship in all aspects than Sora and Kairi. And yes. like, is that actually the true story? Is that these two boys are in love with each other? Um, Yes, I would okay. say, yeah. Well, so they, they are supposed to be competing over Kairi, but the whole Kairi storyline is that like, She's kind of a third party that's drawn to the, like, I don't know, the powerful light that's in Sora. And oh, my God. 
but so so to me she's like sort of tangential and so people really only like her because some kind of otherworldly force is in but anyway really <laughs> we should just own up to ourselves and i don't understand why riku is aging but sora still looks like he's about 12 mm-hmm. um especially because it's been 15 years and i'm old now and it's like come on yeah sora didn't age with you yeah, Sword and Nate's movie. Meanwhile, Riku has like a fucking mortgage or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he has like he has like a whole ass home on Destiny Islands, and he just like comes out and is like, "Look, man, I have to work in the morning, so yeah, let's do this Keyblade thing." I'm as an accountant, I'm by Sora. 10:30. Yeah, <laughs> We're unlocking the heart of these fucking spreadsheets, Sora. God. <laughs> And then Sora's just like, I'm gonna go make friends. I'm gonna go to the world where Hercules is. That's my Sora voice. <laughs> Sora, you don't have health insurance. <laughs> Sora, you're 35 years old. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm still 12. My best friend's Donald Duck. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that game is a mystery sometimes. Oh, boy. Uh, I, I'm, I mean, we have our list here of childhood games, uh, which we're talking about. And I, I wanted to put the SpongeBob. How much SpongeBob did you play? Oh my uh, god, SpongeBob! I forgot that existed. Oh my gosh, Rebecca! Like the games? Yeah. No, I, I mean SpongeBob, fucking the show, of course existed. The game, I completely forgot existed. That was a did great play, game. Did you play it? Because I played. Oh yeah. I played like I played Battle for Bikini Bottom, which I think still holds up. So fight me. Um, and then the SpongeBob movie game was also extremely good. Weirdly. And there were, like, little PC games and stuff, too, that also were really good. Like, that was just a weird time at which, like, franchises were still putting out games that were actually yeah, decent, I feel like. that was before THQ fell. Um, did you guys Did you guys play, like, Olivia, did you play any of those Spongebob games? I, Tyler, I have no idea what any of these are. What? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I've heard of Battle of Bikini Bottom, but, like, I don't know. Which... So I didn't play this. There's I a, didn't play the Spongebob community. For that by the way movie game i think i think bikini bottom was the only one but i feel like there's more i feel like i i played at least one more spongebob game it might have been something that was online but i mean like at the same time you know once spongebob the movie came out spongebob the show at the very least kind of fell off and i kind of like you know i was coming of age i was finally no longer like really a I mean, I was a child that was still a teenager, but, like, I felt like I wasn't a teenager, and I was like, I'm too old for this. I mean, I still fucking love Spongebob. I will still watch it to this day. But I just stopped watching the episodes and stopped, like, distancing myself from that, and I developed healthier cartoon habits, such as Avatar, The Last Airbender, and... Spongebob is good, yeah. Oh, Spongebob was amazing. I will... Spongebob is... Spongebob is still good. Like, have you watched it recently? It had, like, a period where it kind of dropped off. And then, like, a lot of the original people came back, and then it was good oh, again. Oh, really? I have no. Is, are they still making new Spongebob episodes? Yeah. Uh-huh. What? It's still on. Yeah, it's uh-huh. been going strong, Um, even though... 20 years, I think. Yeah. Uh, Even though... Well, what's his name? Um, The... Oh, Steven Hillenburg. Yeah, yeah. Steven Hillenburg died. Oh, that's a shame. But I guess I'll have to... Recommend me an episode, and I'll watch it. Because I, I seriously um, dropped off after the movie, or, like, shortly after the movie, when it started, like, Patrick was really dumb like dumber than dumb and so was spongebob suddenly and it just what got weird and it wasn't for my age range anymore like their their viewers shifted like their target audience so, shifted anyway so are the games good like that's yes. the part that yes. i'm Sorry. interested in like yeah. what, what about yes. them is good so at least for battle for bikini bottom like weirdly that was like a full ass video game you know Uh what i mean yeah like and it it had so many different 
pieces to it and built on itself really interesting. So it was like, on the one hand, like a third person, just sort of action adventure game that was also like it had racing in it and it had like platforming in it and it had, you know, all these kinds of collectibles and stuff. And it 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 was like also a whole ass rendering of like every major location in the SpongeBob Bikini Bottom uh-huh. universe as well, which was super weird. So it just was like... It was, it, when I was a kid, it was so, like, it felt really big and it felt really encompassing and, like, all the characters are in it and you could go anywhere you want. I don't know. It was. It was, it was like. Uh, it was good. Jackson Daxter, basically. Like, but SpongeBob. Yeah. Like, it was that same vein of game where it's somewhat open world and you can, um, you know, you have, like, things to find and objectives to do and or like Spyro, you know, like it's that kind of game where there's collectibles, yeah. but there's also like a, a an actual plot and kind of side missions to do or side quests to do. Um, and it just was it was a nice game. I really enjoyed yeah. it. I would love to play it again. But like, my God, that to find it would be a feat. I still we have I ways. S- I still have. Oh, that. well, then. There we go. <laughs> I still have all of my. I, come PS3 on over. I got my, my PS3. PS3. I, I guess we can play this it. is going to have to happen when we come when I come down, <laughs> and we'll have to actually see this fucking game in person. Yeah, I'll have to figure out which memory card of like eight memory cards that is the one that is on my PlayStation Two. <laughs> That's something I don't miss. Just as a complete aside note, I don't miss memory cards because, wow, I had like 10 of them. Wow. And I had to write on the front what game was on it. Oh, my gosh. I plugged in my, my PS2 recently with my memory card. And I lost like all of my saves except for like I have 3,000 Metal Gear Solid 3 saves on there. <laughs> it's just like all of the random like subsistence like uh, uh, skins and shit. And I'm like, man, I wish I still had some of these like original saves because like I played a lot of Final Fantasy X and that's not there anymore. So yeah. So I'm curious about Final Fantasy X because I I played Final Fantasy X, but I played like I played Kingdom Hearts, and then that made me aware of Final Fantasy, and then I played Kingdom Hearts Ten Two, the sequel. See, that's secretly the best one. I love Ten Two. I know. I'm me glad too. you're with me on this. No one feels okay. that way. <laughs> I was afraid you were going to be like, no. How could you start with the second one? The, no, I Ten is really the one. So yeah, t- so to go back. I, I didn't, when I got a PS2, I was like a year after it came out and I was like begging my mom. It was like the only gift I got for Christmas. And I got it and I got Final Fantasy X and I got Metal Gear Solid 2, but I didn't get a memory card. And I think I might have told this story on the on the podcast before. I'm not sure. But so I would just replay Metal Gear Solid 2 over and over again. And I hadn't played one. So oh I really goodness. wasn't 100% sure what was going on. I was probably like 12 and I'm like, man, this is some deep shit. We're getting into like <laughs> RNA and DNA. And I like, didn't have a way to save Nano the game. Machines. So, yeah, I got really good at playing that game. Like, I was just kind of, I knew exactly where to go, and I got really good at, like, fucking around with it. Like, it was like, oh, this is kind of like, I can just push every system to its limit, and that was kind of fun to fuck around with. Um, Final Fantasy X is, like, a 100-hour game, so I would play for yeah. 20 hours, leave, like, have my PS2 on the background, my old-ass TV turned off, and my dad would be like, why is this thing on? Turn it off. It's wasting power. And I would lose all of my, like, progress. Oh, no. And it oh, would drive no. me crazy. I'm I'm pretty sure I broke that original PS2 because of Final Fantasy X. Like, I shortened the <laughs> lifespan significantly because I just kept playing that game and trying to get a little bit farther every time. But the first, like, 10 hours of Final Fantasy X are seared into my brain forever. Um that walk a laugh will never leave my brain. It's part <laughs> yeah. of me now. 
I um, hate Blitzball. Like I still to this day wake up in the middle of the night and think to myself, fuck, I hated Blitzball. <laughs> I I bought the remaster for PS4 and I'm like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to get the Blitzball. I'm going to do it. I'm going to become the Blitzball master. <laughs> Did you? Um, no, I I oh. played it for five minutes. I'm like, man, this is a good game. I'll get back to it and never came back to it. So it does feel like a real time slog. Like, I don't know. I, I struggle with playing Final Fantasies anymore because I, I'll play them for like 20 hours and get nowhere and then just be like, you know, I don't I don't know if I could do this. I feel like I need like a large amount of time set aside and like that just hasn't been my life recently and I'm worried it will never be in my life again um and Red Dead's taken up all of that time like it's like the one thing I'm really playing right now so I I don't know if I have room in my heart for Final Fantasy 10 anymore as like a thing I will go back to but X2 fuck yeah let's do it I put like (laughs) 300 hours into that game I got all the I got the Moogle suit it rules I went to that secret dungeon and blew up some walls it's fucking awesome yeah Tyler, have you played any Final Fantasy games? Um, no, Final Fantasy. I think we discussed this, but Final Fantasy thirteen. Oh yeah, the the best was one. Yeah. my first one. Um, oh boy. So yeah, I never. I just oh with this with the sexy pirate. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. got lightning. Because well, wasn't that the first game where they oh, kind wait, of? I'm... Which which the Final Fantasies was the was the first Final Fantasy where they. Kind of like they said that they were going to break away from the turn combat system, and then I bought it and I played it, and then they really didn't. Did you play as a lady with long hair and like a like a big sword, and she had like yeah? Okay, you're playing thirteen. That's what you're playing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. not the lightning one, right? That's that's that is the light- or the sky pirate. That's Wait, twelve. What? Twelve is the oh, sky pirate. I thought twelve I, was. I the to be honest, I did not get very far in that game because I. Even though, mm-hmm. even though that they did, they you know, there was still turn-based combat, and like I was kind of turned off by it. And that was you know, thirteen came out. I don't know, two thousand something, maybe I don't know. Um, and I was just like, mm, that's not for me, honestly. And I then I he- fifteen rolled around, and that was actually true, you know, open-world combat. And I was like, this is my shit. But um, yeah, I. 12 and 13 had that kind of like I I, only, I never played 13 I only played 12 and all I know is that I had like that programmatic like fighting system where you can like program your characters to do actions and yes. I believe uh-huh. 13 had a pretty similar system is that right Tyler? Yeah I believe so mm-hmm. Okay yeah so 10 is kind of like more of a throwback and 10 2 is like yeah it was weird the job system yeah and that's what I think I like I never had really interacted with the job system until I had like kind of played 10 2 and that's why I love that game because it's like oh I have like a million classes when that was a thing I cared about and I could play a game for a million hours and be like wow I get such good value out of this so I honestly played it like a dress up game that same was, I loved yeah. it like I was like oh the dancer class that's really cool or like oh the moogle class like that's ridiculous I love it and so. like I, I'm sorry I mean I say I'm sorry but I'm not sorry but Ten Two had the greatest opening in the history of all openings ever forever it, it's Fabian, he's a Come on, that was so good. It's very good. <laughs> it's Who very did, good. Did you self-identify as any of the characters? Um, we'll see. So I always thought I was a Riku, but I don't think I am. I think like, you're more of a pain. If I'm, if I'm being honest, really? I thought I, I was too. I thought, I thought I was, was cool. too showy to be pain. You know I don't I mean? know. I always wanted to be pain, but I was like, I can't be goth. I just can't do it. It's not in my nature. But I was like, yeah. Well, she had that cool. like, yeah, and she had that cool outfit that was like 100 percent belt buckles. It was like peak. <laughs> Tetsuya Nomura, like, just, it's the whole outfit is just a buckle. That's yes. it. Yes. <laughs> She's just a walking belt buckle with a <laughs> sword. <laughs> just a walking belt buckle, and she had that, like, 
kind of like gray power bitch hair and then the red eyes god she was like the perfect goth girlfriend cool i like her a lot um i think one other thing i like we talk about rpgs here and i think pokemon blue was like the first like i got a game boy and that game at the same time I, i got a game boy I got Super Mario Land. I played a lot of that. And then I didn't touch my Game Boy for like years. And then Pokemon Blue came out. And I was like, man, oh, man. this is like my life for years. Oh. Wow. Did you so, guys play so, Pokemon? Well, yeah. But so you had a Game Boy before Pokemon? Because I didn't have a Game Boy until Pokemon. Yeah, I, I got a Game Boy because I, I remember I I had an NES. That's like on, on the list here. I played Super Mario Brothers 3. And that was like I was like a child, you know, like five. It was like a hand me down from a neighbor that Aww. I got. And then um, I ended up getting a Game Boy with Super Mario Land and I was like this is kind of the same thing not really and then I kind of dropped that and then it wasn't until I got Pokemon that I was like oh shit I actually really like video games like my life would have taken a very different path if I didn't have Pokemon I mean I definitely Um, played Pokemon I had um, Pokemon god I don't remember if I had blue or red I feel like I had blue because because I had Blastoise and I was like yeah and then I think I think I, I I don't think I had red because Charizard wasn't even my main. Charizard was not my... I'm I, pretty sure I picked uh, Blastoise, Squirtle, as my main. Rebecca, what was your starter? Um, I didn't play Pokemon until you Pokemon son of XY. A bitch. Wow. Yeah, so I, I was entry. very late. Yeah, and then when I played Pokemon XY, I don't know if it was because this was Pokemon XY, but when I played it, I was like, I actually think I don't like Pokemon. Oh, no. Yeah, wow. I didn't realize it was all battling. I assumed that it was going to be um, a Tamagotchi in my pocket, and it wasn't, but I love my route, really? and everybody else could go. So on. even though, like, you watched the anime, right? Mm, I mean, not really. Wow. Like, I knew it. It was on TV. Like, it was on sometimes, and it would be on, like, Digimon, or, like, Daredevil Z would be on, oh but gosh. I wasn't really that into it. Yeah, sorry, I mean, no, guys. it's fine. It's fine. It's just you miss, like, a crucial moment of your childhood <laughs> i don't know what's like well, I, I think it's a crucial moment of our childhood i guess yeah. I, I don't think you can live a full life without pokemon i'm sure you can rebecca yeah, 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 i'm not yeah. sure i'm okay like i think i'm okay and I, I i appreciate pokemon like i from a from a perspective i can step back and be like yeah i appreciate pokemon and when i saw let's go eevee come out i'm like i might buy that actually um i still haven't bought it but here we are i thought about it well i feel like my- you know i so here's my like pokemon history you know i bought I played blue and red and yellow, and after that, I fell off Pokemon. I did not play Pokemon again until they announced Sun and Moon, and Sun and Moon was my my uh, the last Pokemon game that I've played since then. Um, this is, of course, like Sans Pokemon Stadium because that was also my shit. Um, but like, just for a Pokemon game that was like canonical, uh, Sun and Moon was like. 12 year break game that I played from Pokemon yeah. in the universe. I, so one, one code to this story is that I ended up getting, you know, red, I, my mom ended up buying like red, yellow, blue, silver, and gold. And I thought I was like the hottest shit as a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, well, and then I had it all in like a little Game Boy case. And then someone broke into a car while I was there at work and stole it. Oh my God. And I oh lost no. like all of my progress. And I was like, Pokemon's dead to me. I'm never oh, coming back. You didn't back. think it was like Team Rocket? It probably, when I was just, I was so destroyed. I can imagine. it was all my save games. Yeah. And so I was like, I, I didn't come back until like, I got a Game Boy Advance. I kind of like bounced off that. And I didn't come back until I got a DS. And then I played, uh, I played uh, Green, Leaf Green on the DS. And I was like, man, this is good shit. 
Pokemon's good. Oh, you know what? I forgot about Leaf Green and Fire Red. I guess I played those, but I didn't. I I cheated. They're the same game. I cheated yeah. and played on an emulator. So like, oh, can I really monster. say that I played it? You? I mean, not really. I listen. Okay, I just had that nostalgia kick in from playing Blue and Red, and I was like. <laughs> Why would I play those games when they have a completely new and updated version of the same game? So I I did that instead, and it was fun yeah. for like ten hours. And then I realized, you know, oh, it's Pokemon still. Like I really have to grind things sometimes. And the new one I'm on an really emulator, cool. so it's not like I can really do things. I liked Sun and Moon. I loved it. Uh, oh, we're talking about Let's Go Eevee. Yeah, I've been watching, I got it for Christmas, um, and I've been watching Ruby play it, and she's been, it's been really cute. Like, it's actually like, oh, you can pet your Pokemon. It's like the the best parts of uh, Sun and Moon oh. and X and Y, but like high res. So Maybe it's that's definitely what amazing. I need. I, I think that's what you need, because you can dress up your main character Pokemon. Uh, okay, I'm going to buy it. They have sold. Okay, I'm going to get it. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely, so I'm back into Pokemon <laughs> now for sure. I haven't really been playing, I mean, I haven't really touched Sun and Moon for like over a year since it had released, but I got through the main story. I got like max Pokemon and stuff, and I was working. I was working on being like super ultra gamer and getting my six uh, perfect EVs. That is E, the letter E and V stats, perfect stats, uh, breeding Pokemon and stuff, and like creating the ultimate Pokemon. But then I was like, wow, I don't even know who I'm gonna like battle against with these perfect Pokemon. So like, what's the point in this? And I stopped, and <laughs> I haven't touched it since. So. That's fair. Um, w- one last thing I was thinking about, and I'm not sure if you guys had this experience. Did you guys get a lot of demo discs? Did you get a lot of like magazines when you were younger mm-hmm. about video games? Oh, hell yeah. I feel like that was like a crucial part of me like learning about video games, like getting that like mm-hmm. Pizza Hut demo disc and putting that in. I sold like 10 of them from the Pizza yeah. Hut because I was like, man, what? I'm just going to have like, all, all these secret games on there and I just need to try them all. Yeah. Okay, so. what was the Pizza Hut demo game? What is this? It, w- it was like... It came out like the year that the PlayStation One came out, and I feel like it was like a. I, I've talked to friends. I feel like it was like a moment in time where you could go to Pizza Hut, and if you got a pizza, they would give you a demo disc along with yeah, it. And there was this two was different. A thing. There was two different versions of it as well. So I ended up like, like I don't think they really cared because they probably would have caught me. But I was like, well, I'm just gonna take like five of these and <laughs> go home and put them in my um, PlayStation, and they were all the same, obviously. But it was like 15 games or something. Oh and videos wow! And stuff. Yeah, it was awesome. And it was well, like Crash Bandicoot and like Spyro. Because the only demo discs that I can remember is Chex Quest from Chex Seal Game, which I just found. They did this at JDQ and they like did the whole history and rundown of 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 uh, the Chex Quest game. I didn't know it was a fucking Doom knockoff. Like it's literally just Doom reskinned. That's it. Yeah, I had no yeah. idea as a child. So. Apparently, I touched like I, I always tell people like, oh, I never really got into Doom. I never played it. Never did anything. Apparently I did. Apparently I did. I love Chex Quest. Like, that's amazing. I love it. Um, that was the only thing. It came in like a, a cereal box. Other than that, I, my only other demo disc that I can think of was like um, when Atlantis came out and there was, another, again, another cereal company had a demo disc for this Atlantis game and like you pop in your computer and like play this 3D really awful Atlantis game with Milo. Oh, weird. Yeah. I, I, I played had a little Atlantis bit of Atlantis. Game Boy Advance game. I wonder if it was the same one, but I don't know. On the Game Boy Advance, this was like a was really like a short game shooter. Too. I don't think it was a first person shooter. I remember gliding in a canyon and being on a hang glider. I, it's literally been years, so, so I guess I don't, long ago. Yeah, but I for me it was like oh demo discs were like 
you know, a monthly mana from heaven because I was like subscribed to like official PlayStation magazine and like I got EGM for a little bit and those demo discs were like everything to me for a long time. So I feel like a lot of my like gaming knowledge where I'm like, yeah, I played Tenchu. And I'm like, no, you played like a five minute demo of Tenchu. You have not actually played that game. Or like, I remember seeing King's Quest as a child on like uh-huh. a weird demo disc and being like, wow, this sucks. And <laughs> thinking back to him, like, oh, that's Dark That's like the progenitor of Dark Souls. So oh my God, I don't know. Quest. I just thought that was really important. A really important part of me, like liking video games, getting into the internet, really. So it was magazines and demo discs were all we really had. I still feel angry because I never got... Do you guys remember when Burger King had Viva Pinata? <laughs> that was like a moment in time and I never got Wait, it. they had... Feel... They just gave you Viva Pinata? Yeah. I don't know if they were giving it to you, but I think they were like... You could maybe buy a copy or buy like a demo or something. It would come in like a kid's meal. I just remember... I have this like really weird vivid memory of going through Burger King like more than once. Yeah. And on the menu screen was all this Viva Pinata stuff. And so I think they had like toys and then maybe a demo disc. But I think you had to pay for it. In terms of gaming, I think Burger King came through so much more than McDonald's. Like, not only did they have the Viva Pinata thing, but they also had the gold plated Pokemon cards when Pokemon the movie yeah, came out. Was- I have all of those still. Well, like, they're not gold-plated, but you know what I mean. Like, they're, you know, shiny. Those are worth money. <laughs> Hold on to they're them. I, I mean, I'm the sure they're worth standard. money, but, like, it's a fucking... I have a metal brick. Uh, it's like, That's your retirement. I have Togepi yeah. and Mewtwo and Gengar. That's all we have and... is millennials, Tyler. <laughs> it's our Happy Meal toys. That's it. But, like, even even beyond just, like, the those metal-plated um, bars, like, they did a whole bunch of other gaming shit, too. Like, McDonald's was pushing their, like, Fairy Princess Disney... Their, even their own McDonald's, like, hamburger um, thief, hamburglar, excuse me, uh, you know, uh, merchandise. But, like, they never did anything f- gaming-wise. They are very much, like, more movie-oriented. And Burger King at the time was like, you know, well, we don't know what to do, but we'll do video games, I guess, because no one's doing those. And, like, it was just such my shit to get a Happy Meal from, from Burger King. Yeah. Good times. That's a good time. Um, okay. Oh, go I ahead. need to. I need to hear this. I need to know. I need a treatise on Barbie games. Oh, <laughs> I, yes. Like, I'm. De- it was. I just like. So I right before the pod, we before we recorded this, I just opened your like game list, and wow, Barbie Riding Club, Barbie Magic Hairstyler, Barbie Ocean Discovery. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know those were Barbie. games. Oh, Rebecca. Oh, you sweet slumber child. How do you not know these? I play Barbie Detective. That's I guess why. so. I guess so. Well, so a little background on this. I would never know these games existed either if I didn't have a little sister uh, who was four years uh. younger than me. So these games, so Barbie Riding Club, first of all, was the shit. It came out on PS1. I think it later came out on PC, but I didn't play that version. Played on PS1. It is essentially, you are Barbie. You, um... Are you own a stable because you just do, and you have all these pretty horses, and you get to name them, and you get to color them, and braid their hair, change their hair color, and I think this is the Pokemon game. Then you would ride your horse, and you could like brush them and feed them. It's like Red Dead Redemption Two or now, you know, but like way back in the (laughs) nineties. And then you would take your horse out of the stable, and you would go on these riding adventures, and you had like five locations to choose from. It was like forest at sunset beach uh mountain um 
meadow. Like, I don't know. They're, they're, these, these are the things, the places that you can go in Barbie Riding Club. And you'd go riding, and it was actually really difficult. Well, I mean, like, not really difficult, but you could... The, 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 the gameplay was that you would um, ride on your horse, and you'd be on the set path, and basically there'd be, like, logs in the way or a fence and you have to like jump and it's a racing game so basically you're trying to beat this specific time and you have to do that just by running really fast so you have to run real fast but then also jump over all these obstacles and sometimes you don't make it and like you wouldn't i can't remember if you would like fall and skid or if like if you just like didn't get over the obstacle and it was like oh you must jump and you had to like jump and it was a magical magical game uh Barbie Magic Hairstyler was another fantastic game, and that was just you, Barbie, and maybe her select few friends uh, getting ready to go to the prom with Ken, and all you had to do was put on her makeup, do her hair, maybe some jewelry, her fingernails, eyelashes, do some, like, eyeshadowing, and it was just like a whole makeup thing. It was glorious. I Like, honestly, precursor to any character generator today. Honestly. It was amazing. And then the last one is Barbie Ocean Discovery, which was, which consumed me a lot, like a lot of my time as a child, because you're just Barbie and you're going to make friends with this dolphin and uh, you have to go find these rainbow hearts in the ocean to make the diamond heart, rainbow heart or something silly. And there's this mean old angry guy who like hates fun and happiness and he wants to get that heart and destroy it but you're barbie and you have to like stop him before he gets all the hearts and stuff and um it's like literally a maybe 30 minute game and it it was just glorious and like it was it was um on the era of um like monkey island and everything so it's like your own little um adventure game it's kind of point and click and puzzle solving um, and since it's geared towards children, it was maybe like a little bit more of like an edutainment type game. Y'all, I played a lot of edutainment games when I was younger. Uh, like, I played Freddy the Fish, I played Munchers, Math Blasters, um, like Little Monster, Private Eye, The Smelly Mystery, um, Amazing Animals with Henry the Gecko, and it was literally just like the encyclopedia full of animals, and you would just like go into photo mode and try to find these animals in the picture and collect animal stickers and like oh my god you guys it was wild my childhood was filled with so many games um i didn't i did not realize that barbie ocean discovery was in the kingdom hearts franchise of games it's just putting that in there it's Ants so good the no yeah, the the evil old guy was ansem because he needs to rebuild kingdom hearts like you power. should watch a wet um, a let's play of these games because I think you'll really appreciate them for what they are. I did not play Barbie dis- uh, Barbie Detective, unfortunately. That sounds like really yeah, I, good. I played both of them and they were fucking bomb. So tell me about God. that. Um, okay, Barbie Detective is about Barbie. She's a detective. She solves crimes. Uh, that's it. The, the first one was in an amusement park and the second one was like island vacation. And so you had to chase down the perp. Um, you had to search for clues. They actually were a little spooky in certain ways because there would always be like a dark figure like lurking around a corner and they'd like kind of pop out. And um, the best part of all of them was that, especially, I remember this explicitly from Barbie Detective, the one that was set in the amusement park, which I think was just Barbie Detective because the second one was like Barbie Detective 2. Anyway, not to get into semantics on that one, 
But there was like this brief sequence where you can do like reconnaissance by riding the Ferris wheel. And as you're riding the Ferris wheel, this like hilarious song is playing and it's like, I wish I could remember how it went. There are videos of it on YouTube, but it's something like, and there's danger out there then and Barbie's gonna catch it and she's gonna do all the stuff. I don't know. It's the most hilarious like, weird <laughs> video you have to sit through. Anyway, um, that precursored my love for the Nancy Drew game. So apparently I was destined to be a detective and I did not. Detective yep. Barbie. The, yep, the next I, movie in the Detective Pikachu series is Detective it's Barbie. Detective Barbie. I would watch it. I would watch it. Not even kidding. Like, yeah, the let's most do ambitious it. crossover. Well, it probably you know <laughs> I didn't get into Barbie, but it definitely got into Kate Ashley detective um, movies and stuff. Oh my god! Yes, oh. I did the same fucking thing. Yeah, I, I was obsessed those. with those. That movies. consumed my time too. So yeah, same. Yeah, you know, so so. You know, Mary Kate and Ashley, they filled my detective heart when I was younger. Um, other than like the little Monster Private Eye, you know, mystery whodunit game. Um, but, like there was just, there are just so many other video games that I played. Like, what was your guys' first video game that you can remember playing? Um, I mean, it's um, Super Mario Brothers 3 for me. Uh, mine was the Incredible Machine. What is the Incredible Machine? We talked about this. Oh, the that's pod right. We about Zectronics. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like a build a Rube Goldberg. It was for like the Windows ninety five or something. Yes, I so, saw yeah, pictures I of this. I, was... I think I also played that too, but I don't think it was my first game. Um, I honestly can't remember what my first game. Oh no, I remember what my first game was. And this is like a, apparently it's a game from the eighties, but it's called the Playroom. And it's like the weirdest fucking shit. Like someone must have been so high to make this game because it's all it is is um, one. I think it's just one screen. It's just one screen and it's your bedroom. And in your bedroom are all of these toys um, and like this weird green uh dude i forget what his like cubert dude like he literally he's a green blob he's like he's like mike wazowski from monsters inc but he has this like nose that comes out and it's a horn but it's like it's all green it's really weird and the whole objective of the game because it's another like edutainment game was just to kind of like click on things and have them make noises and stuff and, like, that was it. That was the whole game. And it's called The Playroom. And it was, like, fantastic. I don't know why it kept my attention for so long, but it did. And I, like, I can't describe this game. You just have to look up The Playroom from, like, I think 1988 or something. Um, and, like, that's just what it is. It's it's a weird, a weird game. But that's my, like, game mm. that I... That I You've you've sold me on this weird remember. I will check this out. This night. Yeah. I don't know if you can still play it. Like it's a it's really old. When you look at it, you're like, oh my god, this is like this is just Windows. Not not Windows ninety five, not Windows ninety eight. Like, no, this is Windows. Like Windows dot net or something silly. I can't remember the oldest Windows. I found it. Mainframe. It's like MS DOS. Um, I will get this game. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I feel like this was a precursor to like um, like I played a lot of the Jumpstart games yes. growing up because they had one for each grade level, and so this was like a very early precursor. 
you click on stuff and it sings a song yeah. or you click on something and it kind of walks you through basically like a, you play you play mini games to learn fractions or whatever yeah i couldn't tell you what like the actual objective of this game was it was just it was just there you know it wasn't like lemmings like lemmings there's an objective there it's to get all of your guys to the like little door and not make them die you know but this game not so much did you guys ever the funny th- i was gonna say did you guys ever play any games in in school um, we played the Oregon Trail. I did the same thing. Mm. Did you play the like yeah. the Apple II version? No, I so I played Oregon Trail two, which was like the first time it was not two, like five pixels. That's yeah. that that was the version that I played. So, but it was on an actual Apple II to like put the uh, floppy disk in, and that felt like oh. advanced for the time. <laughs> I'm realizing that all the technology in my life was actually like ten years older. That with like the current technology of the time, yes. it was just my shitty school system. So yeah. well, that's the reason uh, why you know I played like things like the Playroom or Lemmings. Those all came out in the eighties, you know. Um, and I forget there was another game that I also played, but I don't remember now. I think it was like Treasure Cove or something like that. Treasure Mountain, Treasure Cove, same thing as like the Jumpstart. It's just you. You're this dude, and you're supposed to like go solve fractions and and like add two plus two to get these gold coins to make this pot of gold for these leprechauns and like do the rainbow bridge. It, like what I'm saying sounds like a fever dream, but like that was the game and it was just bizarre. Um, I, I see on the, on the list here, you talked a little about Sim Ant and I played that at the science center and I was for five minutes. Aww. I was like, wow, this is incredibly confusing. Oh God. Sim Ant. <laughs> That was another time waster. Yeah. So it starts off as you're like this little queen, right? And then you have you the whole premise of the game is you're a queen ant, you're running this ant colony, and like you pop out three eggs and those become like your worker ants, and you take those worker ants and you begin to like mine out your it's like the precursor to Minecraft, kind of, but like you mine out your your ant nest underground, and then you could go above ground because you need to get like food for the queen to to pop out more workers. And there would be like centipedes and uh uh what are they called antlions and like spiders that would eat you and like the so it was like a really weird survival sandbox game and it was like the first time i've ever encountered that kind of game before and like it consumed me which is another reason why probably any sandbox game like minecraft consumes me or like you know even skyrim like it just that's what it is. I don't know. It's Simat. Simat's the reason why all this shit consumes me. Um, but yeah, it was it was weird. So Simat Simat is definitely weird. I did not understand anything about it. <laughs> I feel like I missed out. Like I never, I had, I hadn't honestly not even really heard of it until you guys brought it up. I mean, I don't know what about it. My childhood is. Like, what happened in my childhood where I, like, was just able to play all these games and the school that I went to didn't have a problem with it. Like, I would get to school. Maybe the thing was I'd get to school really early. And so, like, you know, I got there maybe at, like, 6 a.m., which is ridiculous. Uh, and school didn't start till like, 8. So I had two hours to myself. What am I going to do for two hours in the morning? Like, Holy shit. So, like, I mean, I went to the computer lab or, like, sat on the computer and played these games for two hours. And then, you know recess was like an hour long played those games uh and then you know i wouldn't be picked up until four or five when school was let out at three right so that's another two hours so i think that's why i got to play all these games um 
because my school just kind of provided them because they were, you know, whatever. Not Barbie. Barbie was not at school. They did not allow Barbie at school, which is weird, but they didn't. It was only edutainment games like Freddy and Fish and Munchers and Math Blasters and uh, Treasure Cove, Treasure Mountain. So. One thing I, do, I just want to say, too, is like, I don't know if you guys ever go through the period of kind of feeling like nostalgic for, I guess, games that you are like, they're like really hard to come by again, like those kind of edutainment games, um, because there are people on YouTube who have like preserved them in their full playthroughs. And so like, I got down a rabbit hole recently because I was thinking about those Barbie detective games and I found a full playthrough of the first one and then like a full playthrough of um jumpstart third grade and then i just started wow. kind of going down these rabbit holes of like oh wow like these are things that are super lost to the void like i was watching lego racers even because that is also <sighs> somewhere in the void oh my gosh um lego island so, <laughs> sorry that was another really good game no but yeah if you if you are ever feeling the need there's like a really dedicated community of people who are trying to preserve these which i think is really cool like i i, I can tell that there's sort of a shared childhood's cultural experience of edutainment games especially that is keeping the hope alive so yeah those are out there they're waiting for you i'm glad they kept the dream preserved for future generations to not ever look at but i will be there yeah it's in the darkness <laughs> watching it it's definitely like video game history that's just kind of being erased just like you know nintendo with these uh rom emulators and and going after them like it's just it's really sad to see video game history just kind of vanishing like that um well you know i looked recently because i was on the con the, the topic of um jumpstart it's a child mmo now it so is a like what also, yeah it's like a do you remember toontown yes or those other kind of like a club penguin oh god it's like that now oh no i think it still is but yeah it like went the mmo route because i guess they realized that no one was buying like pc box games at target like they used to so <laughs> no that's really weird i kind of yeah. want to check it out now i can only imagine yeah i i can tell you it's probably not great yeah probably not great i mean because there's just other games that do it so well now or like that they, they aren't even necessarily edutainment games but like just they're just games that teach kids about certain things and i don't know I mean, I'm not. I'm not a parent. I don't have a child. I am also not a child. Sometimes, uh, so like I, these games just aren't my in my you know peripheral. I'm not looking for them. I'm not playing them. So, well, I think it just goes to show everyone that we as millennials obviously had the greatest gaming backstories, and those games are amazing and are going to live forever. And, and nothing no came before us. Nothing, nothing came, came before, before us. us. Nothing and no Punk, one. And no one came after Atari. us. And we are the greatest generation. No. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It was, it was, definitely, a, it was definitely a renaissance right. we, we there were, that I feel, right. our, I feel lucky to have been there for. Our era was definitely the renaissance of, of gaming. Like, now, Unlike uh, this Fortnite shit. What, yeah, well today. now, you know, fifth graders are 360 no-scoping you in Fortnite. So that's, that's the future we created. Well, what do you say that... What age are we in now? Are we in the industrial age for video games? Are we like, you know, 1920s? Are we like the, the floppers or um, the flapper I think age? I, I, I think we are full on Great Depression We're Great right Depression? Now. Some <laughs> dust bowl shit happening out there. I don't um, know. 
interesting. I don't know. We're we're old and grizzled. <laughs> it's been too long, and we're all too poor. That's true. Uh, shall we do some salutations? Yeah, time yes. to do some salutations. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, it's been a little bit of a minute since we did a salutation, in part because I forgot about them last time. I apologize. Um, our salutations is our way to give a shout out to the gaming things, people, places, ephemera, whatever that we have been enjoying over the last couple of weeks since we recorded. Um, Olivia, do you want to start us off with your salutation of Zavik? Sure. Mine's a little strange, and I've been waiting to talk about this for a minute. Um Back when I was buying Amiibos in the before times, um, there was a uh, game store around here that is like all classic games and they had Amiibos as well. And I was getting to know the guy and we were talking about some like strategy guides and he Mm -hmm. pointed out the Fallout New Vegas strategy guide, the Prima strategy guide for the original game. Yeah. And it was untouched. It still had the map in there. And I was was like, how much is this? And he's like, five bucks. So that's been (gasps) mine. Wow. Did you buy it? Oh, my god that's been my uh that's been my thing that i've been obsessing with recently is the no one else can use this obviously it's impossible to find but if you get a pdf of the fallout new vegas strategy guide by prima games um it's kind of the same experience but it's been really fun to read through that and learn more about like there's shit in that guide that i don't actually think is in the game but it's fun to see this disparity of like hey we wrote this guide <laughs> that actually doesn't translate to the real game or the patch version of the game so um, uh, I kind of miss strategy guides. Yeah, I kind of miss strategy guides. So it's been a fun um, step backwards to go look at it and like be like, man, these were like all I used back in the day. So it's really fascinating to be on the topic of of strategy guides because like we just had the death of Prima, right? So Prima just mm-hmm. is now gone. But then at the same time, we have all these like independent publishers and places like Fan Gamer that have like the Stardew Valley strategy guide or like the Enter the Gungeon strategy guide. You know what I mean? So it's weird to see them be both like shunned at a very high peak consumer level, but then also be like this super underground, like almost zenish fan creation. I like, hope that never goes away. Well, I was touching it and I was looking at the art and stuff like that. And I also have the one for Bioshock. Um, and I yeah. Was, and I was just like, those are the only two strategy guides I've really held on to. And I'm like, mm-hmm. man, the art in this, it's like all like, a lot of its original work or like, you know, concept sketches and stuff like that. And I think that a strategy guide slash, you know, art book or something would be a good fusion. I think that's like the kind of stuff that fan gamer is doing nowadays. So I hope they continue to do that good work. Wow. Yeah, I hope so. I think my first uh, Prima it's... game was Pokemon. Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue. I, I still have yeah. it. I have. You know what? And it's wild. Oops, sorry, no, no, it's just I just say it's wild. Because I found it the other day, and I was like, oh my god, this is so old. And uh, I also have one for, like, Baldur's Gate (laughs) and for, you know... So, like, I have a few, you know, manuals still. But, like, I was like, wow, this stuff is just amazing to see this, you know, 20 years later. But what were you going to say, Liv? I I have an off-brand Pokemon strategy guide. We're on the cover of it is some lady like a Pokemon, like a quote unquote Pokemon trainer <laughs> with a di- like a weird dinosaur that kind of looks like a Pokemon. Oh no! <laughs> and I, I oh. it's somewhere around here, and I love it because I'm like, man, this is like some unlicensed bullshit. Like they, <laughs> they could not get the cover image. Like all inside looks about right, but it's just really funny to me that there's like a someone had to go out of the way to make some fake art for their Pokemon strategy guide. <laughs> can you please tweet that cover? Like, if you find it, will you tweet it? Because I, I can only imagine what it looks like. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's it's a, a mess. 
Um, oh. Tyler, what's your uh, salutation for this week? My salutation is a video game that came out last year, two years ago. It's Hellblade Setsuna's Sacrifice. I yeah. played that um, for the Purposeful Gaming Challenge this year that Rebecca has set up. Um, I played it on Sunday, so two days ago. I only played for like two or three hours. I really love it. Um, haven't beat it, but like from what I've played so far, it's a really good game. Um, just like even the... So, for people who don't know, I suppose, it's just a video game that follows this woman um, who is going into... Uh, hell, basically. It's kind of in this, um, in a, like, Roman-esque mythical era, um, and it follows the Greek mythos, kind of. Or is, is it Greek, or is it Nordic, Rebecca? It's Norse. Norse. Yeah, it's Okay, Norse. so sorry. So it's the Norse, it's the Norse mythology. Um, and she's basically, she's going into, into the underworld to retrieve, I think, her husband or lover's soul back. Um, anyway, it's, it's a it's a fantastic game. One, it's gorgeous. Two, it plays very well. And then the combat is actually surprising. Um, it's a little. It's not. Um, it's it's not like you would think it would be like in. Oh god, I don't know what game came out recently that it would be like. But it's very like rhythmic um you have to block or parry um and kind of have you have a very it's a very simple combo um to do but like it's just a it's a very interesting game and it's very and there's a lot of it's just mostly puzzle solving but so far i'm enjoying my journey with satsuna um also i suppose the whole the big thing about it is it uh satsuna has um a mental illness and so i it's it's her psychosis is always in your ears i'm playing with headphones on and i'll hear someone talk to my into my right ear and then i'll hear it move behind my head over to my left ear it's very interesting the sound design is very fine-tuned for this game and i'm really really enjoying it um i played it on twitch so i guess if you like want to watch me play it you can go on twitch but i goofed and didn't turn the sound on to like 30 minutes in but um it's a wonderful game if you ever see it on sale or full price just buy it because it's quite the gem it's it's on game pass as well oh it's on game pass yeah i downloaded it through game pass so i haven't started it yet but it's definitely there as well cool so for five bucks for one month you can play hellblades as soon as sacrifice just make sure it's like on pc or for your Xbox, I guess, because yeah, and I think it's. I'm pretty sure it's only on Xbox, but just if you're gonna, it's on. It's on PS4. That's where I played it. No, I mean, oh, I'm for, for, for the game, game Pass. pass. For the game oh, on Game Pass. I don't pass, think it goes sorry. on PC for the Game Pass, so you need an Xbox. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So. It's weird about that. Yeah. Um, Rebecca, what's your salutation? Um. So my salutation is the concept of demos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Demos. Have you heard of them? Uh, love them. Man, I thought thank I was you. stretching the, the, like, what could be a salutation? I love this. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Good night. That's all I have to say. No. Um. So I didn't know if we were going to talk about the Resident Evil demo or not, and that was sort of what prompted this, and it's also in part because I was really mad when I found out that I could not download the um 
Devil May Cry 5 demo that was only for Xbox people. Anyway, um, what I'm here to say is I really like, like, I've been playing a lot of demos in the last week or two just because I've, like, been focusing on doing the Purposeful Games Challenge and focusing on trying to finish Red Dead somehow. Um, And so I just want to put out there that I really love a demo. (laughs) Like, I'm getting to this point in my life where I struggle to be able to be like, which do I buy or what do I buy or will I even like this? So I rely a lot on quick looks to help me make like purchase decisions when it comes to video games, because obviously I'm trying to not, you know, buy games I don't have time for anymore or like buy something that I'm going to play for two hours and then be like, yeah, you know, I'm not really into this. Um, And so like playing the resident evil demo was sort of what made me go like, yeah, I maybe could like, I could, I could hang with this, I think. Um, And it made me more interested in actually wanting to buy and play it because originally i was just kind of like i don't i don't know i was never really into res evil so whatever um i don't know and like i've been playing other little demos and stuff on steam the stinger before this episode whenever it airs um is another demo that i really enjoyed i got to play the other day um and so i don't know i just i wish more people did demos (laughs) that's like that's that's uh, my name's rebecca and i'm here to say i wish more people did demos that's it because, wow, it really makes me want to buy games. Yeah, it's just kind of a shame that demos, as far as like the game development process, demos are difficult to do. For AAA, maybe not so much because they have the manpower to do it, and all they really have to do is just kind of do like a, a vertical slice of their game. Um, but for indie devs, especially, it's difficult to do because you're just one person or like a few people, and doing a demo yeah. is... Well, I don't, you know. and I don't think I need a demo of an indie game because if the game is only fundamentally like four hours long, you know what I mean? I haven't lost a lot of stuff, but when it comes to something like a Res Evil that it's like, I could spend 20, 30 hours playing this, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's nice to be able to be like, am I going to be able to hang with this? Yes or no. Like, and I think a lot too about like the Resident Evil 7 demo was like crazy intricate that was like its own game like a complete proof of concept and then like the prey demo when that came out that was like you could milk hours out of that demo it was like i think i played that demo for probably 10 hours alone and nothing else because you could just play it and replay it and and try different stuff and hack into things i don't know i just i i feel like there's a certain like lost art to the demo for a triple a and i just i love it and i wish I, we had more of them <laughs> i really love like demos that also like kind of pass something off to the next game or like maybe even a different like kind of vertical slice that's not actually in the game like i think the near demo does that really well where it's like hey we're yeah. going to take this and modify it a little bit and you still have access to all the subsystems so i just love when I know it's an additional cost without much pay or, or the Resident Evil 7 demo as well. Like the yeah. the first one where they made some changes and hid, like, yeah. had some hidden secrets in there or PT. Right. Well, like, I, was gonna, all... I was gonna mention PT. We wouldn't have PT if there wasn't demos, you know? So like, yeah. God, what a game. And like PT is now the, have it's you guys downloaded now. Unreal PT? No. I've heard really good things about it. It seems really Yeah. Neat. It's like a one-to-one wow. from what I'm aware. I should so. get that before it gets taken down. Yeah, probably because I mean I assume a, a takedown is in the works if it has not already happened. Um, but yeah, I know. So and so of course the most coveted and like a cornerstone of this generation of gaming is a freaking demo. So there you go, the power of demos. It, it's real. It's in the void. The power of demos compel me. <laughs> 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 okay, that's a podcast. Power um, of demos compel me. Don't we have to? We have to. We have to sign off, right?
Oh yeah, we gotta do a sign off and I won't laugh about big chungas this time. Although it was <laughs> I forgot about- <laughs> oh Well God. the bad thing too was that when I listened to that pot over again, I still laughed all the way through it because I haven't gotten and then there's like somebody that was donating in the the H Bomber guy Twitch stream and his name was Medium Chungus and like that was also a lot to take in for some reason. Anyway. Uh <laughs> oh boy, this is this is quality programming. Uh this has been the Greenies from Podcast. Uh you can find us wherever podcasts are hosted completely for free, um, such as Apple Podcasts, Simplecast, Spotify, and the other ones that I don't know about. Um send us questions if you would like. We will read your emails and we will talk about them. Uh greetingsfromcast at gmail.com. Um you can visit us online on the web, surfing at greetingsfrom.zone. Or you can follow us on Twitter at greetingsfrompc. We also have a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash greetingsfrom. And a Discord, just, you'll you'll figure it out. If you go to one of those sites, you'll find the Discord link. It's you'll, We'll make it work, okay? My name is Rebecca Fay. You can find me on the internet at Rebecca Fay. It's pretty straightforward. Olivia, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Twitch at livejq. Tyler, where can they Tyler. find you? You can find me everywhere World Jumpin'. You can find me at Medium Chungus. No. Goodbye! Thanks for listening to Greetings From. Our intro and outro song is an edited version of Deep Fried Space Food by Substitute Sandwiches. You can find a link to the song in the podcast description. You can listen to more episodes of Greetings From at greetingsfrom.zone. We are on Twitter and Twitch at greetingsfrompc. Please do follow us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.